Welcome everyone to WRPX, your Wrestling Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Antonio Garza, and I hope that at this point uh, everyone has had a chance to get a good night's sleep, to at least take a nap. We just went through two days of watching wrestling, at least in my case, really, really early in the morning. Um, and that's because this is, in my opinion, the official start of the year, January 4th, and you know what that means. This is Wrestle Kingdom, the biggest show of the year. Uh, a two-nighter by New Japan Pro Wrestling, and we're not done. We still have New Year's Dash, but that is happening uh, technically a couple of hours after I, I finished this recording. So we're not going to be able to talk about what's happening there We'll talk about that uh, later, and maybe if if, if it's big, we'll, we can have a mini-sode. If not, uh, we can just talk about it next week. But the main focus of this week, obviously, definitely, is Wrestle Kingdom 15. So, it's two arguably short shows because it's six matches um, each show. We do have a dark match to talk about on night one but it is arguably shorter shows this year for i mean the obvious reasons that we don't need to talk about anymore but uh they were still shows that went uh somewhat long i think i think i clocked them around four hours uh because given that this is wrestle kingdom matches tend to go longer uh like in, in night one for for instance we do have two matches that went about 30 something minutes each and so that's just going to be the case uh of this type of shows this shows used to go like for six hours back in the day back in my day wrestling was six hours you know and and you know things have changed uh now that there are two shows uh to celebrate wrestle kingdom obviously pandemic and all that stuff so uh let's go I think the first, the best thing to do is just go day by day, and since I don't want to mix everything up, because like I really want to talk about the main events, but if I talk about the main events, then I need to like talk about also like each specific day. So let's just go uh, from the top of the card to the bottom. Um, the starter of the whole celebration was the King of Pro Wrestling qualifying New Japan Rumble. This was. You had your Chase Owens, your Ishis, your Suzuki's, your Nagatas, your Hinatas, your Makavas, your Bushis, Cho, Bad Luck Folly, Rocky Romero, Tomoaki Honma, Kyoki Goto, Joshihashi, Hiroyoshi Tensan, Yuhiro Takahashi, Doki, Gabriel Kidd, Yuya Wemura, Jota Suji, and Toriyano. That was everyone who participated in this match. I thought this match was pretty, really, 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 just really, really bad. <laughs> uh, not that... I mean, not that it was botched or or anything like that. It was just like a nothing match. Uh, I found it really, really frustrating to see guys like Ishii and Suzuki and Goto and Sho like come in and and start thinking like, oh man, like 
these guys could be in the match tomorrow um, for the King of Pro Wrestling trophy. But then one after another, they kept getting eliminated. And every time like a good name would get eliminated, I would like become sadder. And at the end, we're just down to like Chase Owens, Fale, who are arguably the worst things in um in Bullet Club. I guess your hero's worse, but I mean it's like give and take. And then you have like three young lions <laughs> and you had Bushi and that was all before like Jano was barely walking to the ring. And so it was really, really frustrating to see like all this talents that could potentially have an amazing or not necessarily amazing, but just like have a good match tomorrow. And no, they decided to go with Owens, Fale, Bushi, and Yano. That is like that has to be like maybe like one of the worst combinations that you can come up with if you want to have like a bad match. That would that's what you probably pick. Um, so it was really really underwhelming. It was really frustrating. Uh, there was really no semblance of any type of story uh, with anyone at all. Like the only thing that you can like kind of make up was that Bushi was trying to hold the young lions outside the ring so that everyone would get eliminated. And at the end, it would just be the young lions and him winning. So he would have like an easy day the next day. Uh, but it didn't go into fruition. So, I mean, that was it. But it was just like super underwhelming. You had guys like Yoshihashi Tenzan and Takahashi who like I I straight up just like blinked or like drank some coffee or something and they were gone from the match like they did nothing. So it was just like really, really underwhelming. Uh, I, I understand that. Like, I mean, it's a dark match and I understand that this is made to get everyone in the roster into the card. And, and because of this, because the roster is so packed that we also didn't have any surprises, like zero, zero surprises in this Rumble. And it used to be like kind of like the fun thing about the, the New Japan Rumble to see, you know, your your old timers uh, and like random MMA guy like do participations and stuff like that. But we didn't have any of that here. Uh, it was just it was just this and and the winners that in particularly like got me excited for the match the next day so it's okay we'll talk about that match in a little bit <laughs> uh next up we had the official start of the show it was the iwgp junior heavyweight champion uh championship i guess technically title shot on the line because whoever won was going to to face taiji ishimori the next day and so we had el Fantasmo, the winner of the super jacob and Hiromu Takahashi, the winner of the super, uh, the best of the Super Juniors, going at it. Um, I thought the match was good. Um, maybe between good and great, it was really it was like good. I I didn't think it was amazing though, and this is something that I'm also gonna mention uh, in day two because. I didn't think uh, Hiromu Takahashi was particularly anything special this Wrestle Kingdom. Um, 
I, I don't know. I just didn't think he had the energy that he showed, uh, for instance, versus Evil or versus Desperado. Like, that Hiromu Takahashi wasn't here. Uh, and so he's going against two guys that rely a lot on just heal tactics and, like, Phantasmo is, is a lot about antics and and like showing off and then Ishimori is like really really somewhat slow and precise sometimes and so we had like a really yeah I'll, I'll say it we had a really boring Hiromu Takahashi this year and it's crazy because last year I thought Hiromu was uh like the best babyface like wrestler of the year you know he was up there he had like some of the most consistent like good matches throughout the year uh, he had the best match of like evil for instance and stuff like that and here he was just like incredibly underwhelming and I'm not even going to go ahead and say like oh this is all Phantasmos and Nishimori's fault no I think Takahashi just didn't fully like bring the energy that he sometimes has and I don't know it was underwhelming um, I like I said, the match was good. Between good and great, maybe like between good and great, I guess it's really good. Uh, so, I mean, nothing against it. The wrestling was good. Um, they had a really simple story, efficient story. It was just like working Hiromu's hand. Uh, it had some little heat here and there, but it just didn't think that Hiromu was like fully in the match. And that really like, I don't know, like at the end of the match, I was like, Okay, I mean, the show has started, but okay, that's that's okay. Um, the next match was the IWGP Tag Team Championship match, the Dangerous Techers, Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi, along with uh, Doki as a second, defending the titles against the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatonga and Tangaloa, along with Hado, Hado, uh, so, it may have been because of the Hiromu performance in the previous match that I was still kind of like, get, like hyping up, but I really, really liked this match. To me, this was fucking great. Um, I honestly would have given it like a 4.5 stars if not for the finish that I wasn't a big fan of. But, like, I thought this match was amazing. And, like, the MVP of the match was Zack Sabre. He was just, like, all over the place. Like, he was an octopus. Uh, just, like, locking in submissions and going for, like, uh, like PKs. And he was just fantastic. Taiji had his working boots on. He was, like, a lot of fire. Because they, they got to play baby faces in this match. And so, like, like... Babyface Taichi is just like sometimes fantastic, and so they had like a great, great uh energy going on. The gorillas, I mean, they brought their game. Uh, I, I noticed Tangaloa a lot, Tamatonga kind of like came in and out, but I noticed Tangaloa a lot, and maybe it was because he was wearing uh, <laughs> like all white gear. But I thought that like, he was like really, really in the match, and I, I really, really loved this match. Um, I was sad that to see the takers lose the the titles. I saw I kind of saw it coming though. Uh, I mean they've had it pretty much the whole last year. Uh, 
they i mean it came and it went but it was really like right off the the golden uh what was it like tanahashi nibushi's tag team name i don't remember the golden aces like right after that few like techers just pretty dom pretty much like dominated the whole year in the tag team division and so it makes sense to put the titles on the gorillas <laughs> the thing is i don't know who's gonna chase them at this point you do have like thin juice uh obviously there's a thousand combinations in chaos that you can do um and i am mostly worried about what's next for the techers um you know there, there's many rumors going out that the techers could be going baby face uh, not necessarily leaving suzuki on but like potentially so it'll see it'll be interesting to see like where their directions go um but i i really really enjoyed this match i think uh all four men brought it and even doki and halo like they were not detriments to the match doki's like he's grown so much in my opinion um, and there were definitely like not detriments like they came into the match and did some stuff and then left and that was it the the, the one thing that i do have to say i didn't like the finish uh the finish saw uh halo come into the match and just get pretty much like distract taichi so tamatonga got the the takaki takashi Suka iron claw and like boom smacked taichi for the win so i don't know like i thought it was kind of underwhelming i i just would have gone with the clean win it doesn't need to be like cheating uh since it's like two heel teams like it doesn't matter um i do think that there may be something going on here that uh, god not only took the titles but they took uh isuka's claw so we may see more between these two i i wouldn't i wouldn't mind at all that maybe their program forwards i guess new beginnings i haven't seen the, the calendar yet but i guess new beginnings uh would be like the bigger shows because i don't know i i mean there's not going to be a fantastic mania this year for sure um so we'll see what happens next anyway we had a promo by john moxley he he still exists i i thought he was a ghost and he said that oh whoever wins the contract i'm coming for you and i was like lol yeah for sure dude like i don't believe you anymore you defending the u.s title fuck off man so i mean he says he's going to chase uh he's going to come after whoever wins the 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 title shot for the u.s championship i'll believe it when i see it john moxley i'll believe it when i see it but that actually led to the IWGP US Championship title shot contract match. Uh, Kenta defending against Satoshi Kojima. And like, so the thing here is uh, Kojima uh, is replacing Juice Robinson who got injured just days before the, the show. So there's really no storyline going in. However, I find this match really interesting because back in the 2000s you had new japan pro wrestling and you had kojima there and he was on top and he was like just all over the place and then pro wrestling noah and you had kenta 
also like young and all over the place and hungry. And so now, many, many years later, they're older and they finally collide in the ring for the first time in a one-on-one -on -one match. They had a like a tag match or trios match a long, long time ago in Noah. And then they've had like a couple of uh, tag league matches. Uh, but I wouldn't think those like count to me. Like this was like the first Kojima Kenta match that we had. And, you know, if you were a fan of, of either guy when like during the 2000s that that decade uh there's there's something here that you know that you're like oh man like these two guys that never got to face each other and now they're going one-on-one -on -one. and it was i really liked the match uh obviously there's the limitations that i mean kenta is is older he's not the old school kenta and kojima it's also older. He uh, he has like a really specific style nowadays, but they I think I thought they they had a, like a really good clash. Um, I I guess the match suffered from knowing that there was no way in hell that Kojima was gonna win. I mean he was a replacement, and I mean surely John Moxley is not gonna chase Kojima. Um, but I thought the match was good. I thought uh like Kojima's style, like it was it it did kind of merge well with Kenta and and they kept the shenanigans like really low, which was good for a bullet club match. Uh there was actually one spot where Kenta goes for like briefcase shot and Kojima just like lariats the hell out of it and that was fucking awesome. Uh but at the end Kenta won with the GTS and I mean it was expected. Uh, and I think at the end of the whole thing is I'm just really glad I got to see Kojima in a singles match at the Tokyo Dome because you never know when's the last uh, singles Kojima match you're going to watch at the Tokyo Dome specifically uh, because the, the spots are limited. There's a big roster. There's a bunch of you know young guys up and coming and you just don't know like like if not for for juice robinson being injured like kojima would have just been in that rumble thing and that would have been it so it was nice to see this like see it embrace it and just enjoy it uh i'm a big fan of kojima uh i mean of all the the new japan dads like him and nagata like to me are just like fantastic like they're better than a lot of the the younger guys all over the world so it was just like a treat to meet sikojima but let's continue uh we had a, a we had like a pair of commercials in both nights of naito and kidani who's the i think he's the president of of new japan just like going back and forward about a game or i don't know if it's a game or an app but like something that Kidani uh, pr promised Naito like three years ago and it's barely being released and so it, there's a lot of like Naito just like saying like well I mean you made me wait for three years and I, I am expecting the LIJ to be like center like like fully featured like right in the center poster boys and he's like I mean you spend all this money on Okada I mean how much are you going to spend on me 
and like Kidanya's like, okay, we're gonna spend like five hundred million dollars. I mean, gens, and so it was just to promote this this app, Strong Spirit. It's called. I don't know when it's coming out, and I think it's a game. But I mean, if you if you play quote unquote that uh, card game <laughs> that New Japan promotes. Uh, I mean, that's not really a, a game. It's a gacha, but there's really no, like, it's just con collecting things. There's there's no, like, fighting aspect in that game. It's just collecting that, like, that side of the gacha. And so I don't know what Strong Spirit is going to be. But, I mean, regardless, I, the, I thought the commercials were really funny. I am looking forward to see what this thing is. Uh, next up, we had Hiroshi Tanahashi versus the Great Okan. And this was the match that most people were like, oh, this is going to suck. Like, why is Tanahashi fighting Okan? Okan sucks. Like, I thought the match was good. Uh, I gave it about like a 3.5, 3 uh, quarters uh, of a star. And this wasn't like, I mean, this is not going to be, uh, I don't know, like Dragon Lee versus Hiromu Takahashi. Like, this is not going to be Ibushi versus uh, Okada but I thought this had like a really simple good story uh, throughout the last month we saw Great Okan like just go after Tanahashi's leg with chairs and over and over and just destroy him Tanahashi had like maybe one of the worst years he's ever had in wrestling I mean he had a terrible performance uh, in the G1 Climax, he was the weak link with the Golden Aces. He was the weak link with Toa Hanare. Uh, what else? Uh, we had, like, uh, obviously he had a lot, of, a lot of problems with COVID because he, like, I mean, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say he went to do depression, but, like, it really hit him hard that he couldn't wrestle in front of fans. It's just, like, all the stories of Justin Ahashi having a terrible 2020. And so he's, he's ending the year with just this, this guy great Okan just going after his chi uh, his leg over and over and now he has him one-on-one -on -one. and obviously Okan went after the leg and so Tanahashi's like he has to fight through the pain not only to beat Okan but just to like to make things right and to get the ace right on track again and so that was the match and and there was beautiful at the end because it comes to the point where Tanahashi finds himself with chair in hand and he has Oka there and he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna like just release all my frustrations but he's true to himself because he's the ba the greatest baby face in history he throws away the chair and he hits high fly flows and he wins because Tanahashi doesn't lure himself to use weapons because he is the ace he is the greatest baby face in wrestling history and so it was just like a good i saw it as a good like point between uh tanahashi's like terrible 2020 and you know the start of a hopeful 2021 for him and realistically like okan wasn't gonna win this was like the thing that had to happen and okan he had a good performance uh he, like i said he's not ibushi but he's 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 okay he's still young <laughs> or or newish like he barely just came back from excursion you know 
and his excursion was mostly working for Ref Pro of all promotions. Like, he's not bad for what he's doing. Um, next up, we had Kazuchika Okada versus Will Ospreay. Oh boy! Well, I've I've seen a lot of people say that this was the match of the night. I think it's a, a it's a throw between this and, and the main event. Obviously, in my opinion, they were about the same. I I did think that Osprey Okada may just had slightly been better because I really really enjoyed, uh, you know, I guess the story and and in this match we saw like. You know, you have the young up-and-comer, Osprey, who is hungry to just be on top. He's hungry to be the man. And in order to do so, he betrays his his mentor, the guy who got him in, in, in New Japan. Like, if it wasn't for Okada, like, Osprey may as well just be in WWE. You know, like, jobbing next to Ricochet. But instead... Um, he followed Okada, and, and so he betrays his mentor. And now, in the last month, Osprey has been talking a lot, has been talking the talk, but now he needs to prove that he can walk the line too. He needs to prove that all those words that he said, he can back him up because if he betrayed Okada and he cannot defeat him, if he cannot prove that he is his own man, then what was it all worth it? For, you know and so that that's the story and so osprey comes in and he is just unleashed this is an osprey that almost like right from the get-go he's trying to power drive or he's trying yeah power driver or hit a, a move on okada into the floor like the exposed floor he he's just going all out because he knows he needs to beat okada and he needs to make a statement it's not like the whole like gonna end your career shit like that is like that those are things like people say just to like make face but at the end of the day like osprey needs to defeat okada because otherwise his whole plan crumbles because he cannot show that he is indeed that person that he has been talking about and so that was the match it was just like pushing it and pushing it from osprey and and Okada kept coming back and back and back. And Osprey just couldn't put him down. Like he hit the Oscar. He hit an, his own Rainmaker. And he put in, he couldn't keep Okada down. And it's at that point where like Osprey hits a Rainmaker. And then Okada's like, boy, you want to play with the Rainmaker? I'm going to show you what a fucking Rainmaker looks like. And it took... Like, he gave him, like, one of those weird, like, out-of-nowhere Rainmakers. But once Okada hit the proper Rainmaker, one, two, three, that was it. Osprey couldn't deal with the Rainmaker. And I thought that was, I mean, for once, this was uh, the first time that we really seen Okada go for the Rainmaker this way. I mean, he had the money clip in the match, but it didn't really like, didn't really work. It was kind of working, but not enough. But this is the first time that we've seen Okada like really, really win with the Rainmaker. And once he hit it, and it took just one proper Rainmaker, you know where like, like Osprey boy, you're not there yet. 
you will be one day, but you're not there yet. And I thought the story was fantastic. Uh, in Osprey's credit, uh, he did survive the money clip and, and the lesser rainmakers. And at the end, I don't think Os no, Os like Osprey never hit the Stormbreaker. Um, and so there's that there's gonna be that little story there. Uh, you know, they can be dragged along. And that is the same thing we saw with Omega. Like when Omega and Okada started, like Okada won, but Omega never hit the one winged angel. And so we now have something similar with Osprey never hit the Stormbreaker. We don't know if hitting the Stormbreaker would be enough to put Okada down. But so far from what we saw, Osprey is, is just not at the level of Okada yet, but he will be one day. He needs to continue going. So I just felt like it was an awesome match, an awesome story. Uh, it was really, really, it, this one like really felt like 2018, 2017 Okada again, uh, 2019 maybe. And yeah, wait, no, 20, 2018 was Balloon Maker, right? So not that Okada, the previous one. <laughs> um. And at the end, we had the main event. This was Tetsuya Naito defending the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Double Championship match against the challenger, the winner of the G1 Climax, Kota Ibushi. Uh, there was a lot of hype here. And in my opinion, this was the best match that I've seen between these two. Uh for many reasons one particular being that this wasn't just like drop each other in, uh on top of your head type of match this was more uh i guess methodical like naito did seem like better prepared to have a match and not just go out and, and do spots and so i really enjoyed like this match way more than than some of their previous matches and their previous matches have been amazing like this one just was amazing too i i did go for the four point four point seventy five really um stars it was just right there and i i think the like this story here was that we had a way more under control Naito who really uh, dominated early on. And then Ibuchi started to like slowly make a comeback and, and just like leading into both men just chasing their finishers. And that's when like the really, really good thing started because neither man could put the other down. Um, Ibushi survived. I think he survived two Destinos and one Valentia. I uh, Night to survive. I I think I saw like two or maybe three Kamigoyes. I I don't remember, but uh, it was at the end where like Naito's going for the third Destino and Ibushi blocks it. He hits a jumping knee, Kamigoye, and that is it. It was just like a good chase uh, of finishers, which I I love. I mean, countering reversals. The, like this low build up to to that part there was a you know there was like training momentum with first night to on top and then ibushi it was just like a really really well play uh paced and and wrestled match and at the end of the day you know it's the court like the coronation finally finally kota ibushi is the iwgp world champion 
it is it was like so long overdue but because of politics and many many things like ibushi had never really touched that title and now he finally is a champion and it just feels right you know it just feels right uh, it's just beautiful to see ibushi of all people you know capture these titles uh especially like like the, the the intercontinental he's played around there for, for before but like the the world heavyweight championship it it just feels good to see him with the title finally <sighs> i mean in any other situation this could have been this should have been just like bigger because you should have like 40 60,000 people in the Tokyo Dome just going crazy for Ibushi but nonetheless it was just fantastic to see like I was so so happy I, I shed tears of happiness for Ibushi winning the title because um, Ibushi is one of those guys that I've I followed for a long time like I didn't watch DDT like when he was in DDT but when he started doing stuff like for Chikara I I figured like I found him and that's when I started to follow his name and and you know like I would hear about you know the him and, and Omega and I would hear about like oh this thing in DDT like oh what the hell and then you would see those gifs of Ibushi like fighting in the woods or in a bike or being like attacked in the street and you were like oh man this is good and then you started seeing him in New Japan and it was like man this guy is fucking good and after all those years like he finally finally captures the world heavyweight championship and it just made me really really happy and uh after the match uh we now know that's gonna be bushy versus white so white came out and said like hey man this is only gonna last for one day um you say you're going to become a god but i'm gonna cut your dreams off and i'll show you that i'm the real god it was just like your normal uh i guess like closing promos and and that was the first night of wrestle kingdom in my opinion it was it was the better night and we're gonna get into it right now uh i thought this match with this show uh was just like great top to bottom i mean if you consider that the first match was the dark match it was top to bottom like a really good show um I mean, really, the the rumble was the only thing that was bad, and it wasn't even like insulting. It was still like okay, um, like it was just there, you know. But uh, like the rest was just like bell to bell, great quality, and and it's the quality that you've come to expect from a Jan Four Wrestle Kingdom, you know, at, at a New Japan Tokyo Dome show. So, uh, I mean, if anything, I would have wished obviously to be there but like at least for the crowd to to be packed and, and screaming but you know that'll be next year um so let's go into night two of wrestle kingdom 15. this show had the two dark matches uh from stardom i i am well i mean not just me unfortunately <laughs> no one got to see them unless you were there live I am still hoping that they're going to post them on Stardom World. I don't see why they wouldn't. Uh, you know, it's Bushy Road, so I mean, why not? But the results are that in the, the first match, Queen's Quest, Asumi, uh, Sayaka, uh, 
Kamitani and Utami Hayashishita defeated Donna del Mundo, the team of Himeka, Maika, and Natsupoi. That was like 10 minutes. And then on the other match, Donna del Mundo, uh, Julia and Siri defeated Mayu Watani and Tam Nakano. And I am really interested in that second match because we know that Tam Nakano and Mayu Watani are like boiling. They they just want to get themselves into like a blood feud. Um, after Tam Nakano's group uh, left stars, there's just like chaos like happening. So I'm really, really interested to see how that match came about. I am sure that I wouldn't be surprised if that's the reason why they they lost because Iwatani and Nakano just like got into like a fist fight. So I'm really interested to see that, that specific match. The other one, I mean, it's okay. It's just like, you know, it's probably just Queen's Quest like running over the other three. But I really want to see that Donald Mundo versus Iwatani and Nakano match. But we, we go into the main card, the actual card of Wrestle Kingdom. We started with the King of Pro Wrestling uh, trophy four-way match to he to see who's gonna get the trophy this year and i mean realistically look at the card i mean not not the card but like look at the match it's yano folly bushi and owens did anyone expect anyone other than yano to win of course not <laughs> this was obvious like what is Fale going to do with it? Like, the only thing that Fale could do is to go and have, like, a body slam challenge. But we already saw that with Yano, and he lost. And then Bushi's what's going to do? Nothing. Owens, he's, like, like he's an opener guy. So this was pretty obvious it was going to be Yano. Uh, I, I honestly did not like the, this match, obviously. Uh, I thought it was, uh, you know, shit. Um... I, I I gave it like the same rating as the, the the New Japan Rumble the day before. Like I think it's like a star and a half. Because uh, it was just like bleh. Uh, something that actually really annoyed me in this one is that like early on uh, to start the match, they do the finger poke of doom between Owens and Fale. And so at this point, Owens is perfectly okay to be pinned by Fale so Fale can win. But then like Two or three minutes later into the match, like, uh, Fale pins, like, someone, I think Bushi, and and now Owens doesn't want him to win and breaks the pin, like, uh, like consistency, consistency, it's it's easy. Uh, but anyway, like, this was shit, I don't really see the point of talking about it. <laughs> uh, we go into the the next match, which is the, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Title Match. This was Suzuki Gun, El Desperado, and Joshinobu Kanemaru, who is returning, uh, defending against Master Wato and Ryusuke Taguchi. Um, I thought this match was good, but like nothing really memorable. Like this is one of those matches that like I'm not gonna remember tomorrow. Uh, I thought Wato looked really good. He probably looked the best in this match that I've seen since his debut. Um, I mean, he still looks like a dork when he comes out, but I think like his hair, his his look when he starts dressing, like it looks really really good now. Uh, Taguchi had like good energy, but that was like, I mean, we had comedy Taguchi here, so you know, that's not always the best thing for like a big match, quote unquote. Um, but that was it, really. Like it was fast paced. It was a lot of action. Like every time, like. If, if you, like, I don't know, like, blink or something, 
you would see Watto flying all over the place. So that was really cool. Like the action was good, but nothing really like nothing memorable happened. And at the end, Desperado just hit Pinchiloco and and Antaguchi for the win. And that was it. Like it was really underwhelming, um, or not underwhelming, just like just there, you know. Like I wasn't expecting much, and I didn't get much anyway, so it was okay. Um, next up, we had Shingo Takagi defending the Never Openweight Title against Jeff Cobb, and I thought this was fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, like to contrast, like this was fucking awesome. It was just like tons of action and physicality. Um, there was a, a bit of a story here where early on, obviously Cobb has the power and size advantage over Shingo, and so we saw Shingo not being able to like really, really, you know, start uh, hitting Cobb uh, to like hurt him, and so Shingo had to like kind of like maneuver his way around so he could like start hurting Cobb and damage him so he could bring him down to a level where Chingo could properly like attack him and because of because they did introduce this at the start of the match later on when Chingo is hitting I don't know like the last of the dragons or the made in Japan or just like a pumping bummer those moves look like so much more impressive because at the start of the match they had told us that Cobb is way too big for Chingo to just toss around. And so that, that made Chingo look like super powered at the end. And, and, and that was like super, super good. Uh, but that was it. Like it was just like a bunch of like, I mean, obviously like bombers, lariats, like headbutts, like forearms. You know, your, your typical never open weight match. Cobb obviously like throwing like Chingo around and, and sometimes Chingo throwing Cobb around. It was really fun. Um, and this, this was the third loss of the Empire. They, they lost all their matches. Um, like Osprey lost to Okada, Great Okan lost to Tanahashi, and Cobb lost to Chingo. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see if losing all their matches at Wrestle Kingdom works as a motivation to do either something big at New Year's Dash or just straight up introduce new people to the team or, you know, like maybe we'll see a turn or, or like a debut. But uh, they did lose all their matches and hopefully there is a reaction to that because, uh, I mean, it, it's the new, the new stable, you know, and they lost everything at Wrestle Kingdom. Next up we had... Sanada versus Evil along with his boy Dick Togo. So, oh man, where to start? Like, in the last month, or for a while now, we saw like all this passion and anger between Sanada and Evil. Like, they really, really wanted to go at each other. And then we finally get to the match and they just have a normal match. <laughs> this was one of those matches that I, I kind of hoped like not really expected, I guess, but really, really hoped that it would start with like, like remember Shibata and Ishii, you know, like they're both in their corners and they're just like jumping to get at each other. And like once the bell rings, like boom, it explodes and forearms or fists and they go like Takayama fry all over each other. And instead, we just had like a G1 match where 
you know, your collar and elbow lock up at the start of the match, you know, the, the stalling from evil, you know, those type of shenanigans. Uh, nonetheless, I will say I did like the match. I thought it was good. Um, for one reason in particular, uh, one of the matches that I've liked the most of evil since he turned heel was the Tanahashi evil match at, um, at the, what's some face, the dual climax. Uh, for, for one reason, it's, this is the match of a baby face fighting not only evil, but also fighting Togo and fighting all the shenanigans and still succeeding at the end. And that's what I really, really enjoy about this match. This was just babyface Sonata, you know, having to deal with with evil and Togo and, and, and cheating and low blows and everything. And at the end, he still succeeded. This is the type of Sonata that I think uh, has potential. Like, Sonata is one of those guys that also like a lot of people just expect to see for some reason like uh i don't know like kota ibushi level of five star matches just like this incredibly per like performances but like realistically sonata the type of wrestler that he's gonna be is more like tanahashi in the sense that their their matches are gonna be more psychology based not just like spot 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 and, and, and this is what I saw in this match. It was more about, you know, the baby face overcoming the odds and then winning at the end. And and that, that's that part of this match I really enjoyed. Um, you know, there, there was some good energy with the crowd for, for this match. I mean, J Japan really, really responds to Sonala in a positive way. So it was good. Um, I, I gave it about four stars i think yeah like four stars i have it um because you know it was it was fun to see sanada defeat evil this way um i did think the the finish was like not bad but i'm just not a big fan of the moonsault as a finisher i think it takes a long time to set up and execute and like even if there was no skull end at the end uh, the moonsault itself just like feels like underwhelming. That is something that I've said about Sanada for a while now. I really hope he would come up with different finishers or not finishers, just one finisher, something that he can hit like out of nowhere, and and to have like several counters to it, and that it doesn't take a lot of time to set up. You know, similar to like everything is evil or Destino, like or Rainmaker, like those moves that you can hit like out of nowhere and and just like make it really impactful because that's the problem sometimes with Sanada like the skull in is a submission and it's not like a really cool submission and so it slows down the match and then when you like have the skull in and follow with a moonsault it's just like it's just like death sometimes but I don't know Sanada's one of those guys that's like He's still in the process of, of building himself up into a main brenner into a top of the, the company guy. So it's it's a matter of time, you know. If Okada's still bringing up, like, like coming up with money clips, I think it's okay for Sonata still to, like, be working on, on his stuff. Next up, we had the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title match between Taiji Ishimori, Bone Soldier, and Hiromu Takahashi. 
Whew, you're not going to believe me, but this was one of the worst matches of the night. <laughs> uh, I mean, I easily found Chingo versus Cobb and Sana versus Evil better than this one. I just didn't enjoy Takahashi, this, this Wrestle Kingdom. He was okay. He was good. But there was just, like, no energy to him for some reason. Like, maybe it's because we saw him with the Desperado, like, not long ago. But then you saw these matches, and they were just, like, not at that level. Uh, again, the match, like, ELPs, like, it was a good match. I just got really bored at seeing, the, the like, these two wrestle. And... I I honestly I'm not gonna blame Ishimori because like when Ishimori would lock in the, the bone lock, that was like the most exciting things that I saw in the match. So I cannot blame Ishimori. This has to be Takahashi. <laughs> uh I just I just felt like he he didn't bring that energy, uh his charisma. I mean he has a charisma, but like it just wasn't like really shining tonight for some reason. Um, so yeah, I just thought he was Hiromu was okay. Uh, Ishimori was Ishimori, and like something for instance that I I really disliked in this match was there's a spot where Ishimori's hitting forearms, and Hiromu just keeps running into them like over and over and over again, and. Sometimes like those spots look like really cool firing spirit spots, you know, like just firing up and you know firing spirit to the to the max. But in this match, it just made Hiromu look like dumb and stubborn because it's not like he was powering up. He was just like taking more and more and more and more. And you know, you have to imagine that at one point, like you counter the move, you know, <laughs> uh, like, I don't know, like there, that's like that cliche in a lot of animes, like Saint Seiya, where like, they always say like, you cannot use the same move on me twice. And, and in this case, like Hiromu just like walked into the forum like 20 times and he never countered. He wasn't even like asking for it. He's just like, kept walking into it and i just thought it looked like incredibly stupid uh by hiromu so i i hated that spot <laughs> so much uh so yeah like i don't know like i i thought hiromu was just not in his game this two shows i know he i mean i know he's amazing and it's not like the end of the world or anything he'll, he'll be better next time but like just this weekend i didn't think he was good and it was surprising because Takahashi and Ishimori had a good match not long ago, last year. Uh, well, not last year, like two years ago. So we do we do know that it can go, but this just wasn't at the level, you know. And I I honestly blame Takahashi. I I don't think it was Ishimori's fault. And finally, the main event of Wrestle Kingdom Night Two, January the fifth. Double championship match, IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Golden Star Kota Ibushi, the double champion, defending the event against Switchblade, Jay White. I gave this match five stars. I'm going to start right from there. I gave this match five stars. This was just fucking awesome. 
it was the, like the pacing was perfect the intensity went up and down in the right moments the interference because there was i'm not gonna lie uh happened at the right moments for the right heat and had the proper repercussions um and because of both interference or not we had like an um, like such amazing near falls throughout the match Th this is a match that i came in kind of like 98 percent thinking there's no way that ibuchi is going to lose the titles like in one day i just i didn't think it was going to happen but there were several near falls uh towards the end that i was like holy shit are they really gonna give the titles to white oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god and i mean there were just near falls obviously uh ibushi would would kick out and and it was like fucking good uh there were some throwbacks to to some history where like obviously they, they did the same pin that white used to win the briefcase and here like they did it and it was crazy because I think everyone was expecting I mean I think everyone was expecting the spot but then you're expecting to for Ibushi to kick out of the spot and and instead it was uh, uh, Red Shoes who, who saw the feet on the on the ropes and so even if it's a spot that we're all expecting I still got like whoa 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 what the fuck because I was waiting for the kick out and the kick out never happened it was red shoes that stopped counting and I was like holy fuck like even for something that I was expecting I got surprised so I was awesome there was also I don't know if it was on purpose there was also a spot uh, like the one time that Ibushi wrestled AJ Styles for the title that is the big story with Kenny Omega like getting on the apron and distracting Ibushi right before he goes for the Phoenix Splash. And in this match, they did the same thing. Uh, instead, it was Hedo, Hedo who uh, uh, interrupted Ibushi. I don't know if that was a throwback, but I remembered. <laughs> so it is a throwback to me. Uh, but it was just fantastic. In this match, uh, Ibushi actually won with the Phoenix Splash. Uh, he, he hit several Kamigoyes uh, at one point. Uh, even like he couldn't keep white down for many different reasons but at the end he hit the phoenix splash to win and it was just like the right way to end such a beautiful match i it went 48 minutes like really close to the hour but it honestly felt like 30 minutes it was just like it went by really fast it was just a fantastic match uh i mean obviously it's it's a it's a match of the year contender it's only been five days but like i'm pretty sure this match is, is going to come up later in december of 2021 and as one of the best matches of the year and after the match um we saw sanada come out and, and challenge ibushi for the title it was really weird because sanada's wording kind of made it sound like he was giving Ibushi the gift of of challenging uh, I don't know if there's like anything to it or if it's just like a bad translation but it seemed kind of weird but but the one thing that I do want to talk about is the post-match promo by Jay White backstage it was a 
fucking amazing capital A promo by Jay White. Holy shit. He, he, he's talking about like all the sacrifices that he's done to be in New Japan and to be like this top level competitor. And, and like, even if he does like all the sacrifices, like no one gives him credit. Like he's, he's, everyone laughs at him when he, when he fails and, and he's tired and, and he thinks that he could be better somewhere else. And that's the thing. Like he's saying, I could go anywhere else and just like be better. So he's hinting that after New Year's Dash, Jay White is leaving New Japan. I, I, I don't know what to think of this whole thing. On one side, he may not be leaving New Japan, but he may be leaving Bullet Club. On the other side, could he be really be? Could he really be really really be? Could he really leave New Japan? And I mean, obviously, obviously, JY would be someone that AW and WWE would be like just salivating for him. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a similar situation that we saw with AJ Styles and Nakamura or that we eventually saw later on with Omega and the Bucks. I don't know if he's actually leaving. I haven't seen any reports that he hasn't signed. This may as well just be a a storyline that he's gonna take some time off. Because I mean he does live I mean he doesn't live in Japan. And so it may just be hard for him to be in Japan like all the time. Um I really hope he doesn't leave. <laughs> he is He's just one of my favorite wrestlers, but he's my favorite wrestler in New Japan. I I don't want to see him just like be bastardized in an American promotion. <laughs> so I'm really worried about the repercussions of this promo. But nonetheless, go watch the promo. It was, it was just like a performance of a lifetime for Jay White. Uh, I mean, talk about ending the the show with a, a five-star match and then going to the back and cutting a five-star promo. It was just like, holy fuck. Jay White is just like, he's just like the greatest wrestler right now, you know? Like, it may be five days in, but he's the greatest wrestler in the world of, of 2021. And so, I don't know, but we'll see where it goes. Like I said, New Year's Dash usually like gives us a lot of surprises and gives us like an idea of what's going to be the direction for many people uh, in the upcoming months. So we'll see what happens. Um, I just really, really hope he doesn't leave. It's He's going to make me cry. But anyway, that was the, the, the end of the second uh, New Japan Wrestle Kingdom show. Uh, this is going to sound weird because we did end the show with a five-star match and we did have like Chingo versus uh, Cobb that I thought was like really, really high. Uh, like 4.5 but uh, the rest of the show really felt kind of disappointing and I mean just I mean this is like the utmost praise for New Japan's quality and Wrestle Kingdom's quality 
throughout the years, but like I thought that this was slightly disappointing. Uh, some of the matches, I wasn't a fan of Takahashi. I wasn't a fan of obviously the the King of Pro Wrestling match. the The Junior Heavyweight Tag Team match was kind of like meh. And Sanada vs. Evil was good, but not nothing special. Nothing that I not not what I was hoping to see from these two. So it is weird to say that this was a disappointment, but I mean. I say that like because I have like so high standards of Wrestle Kingdom and I'm not going to blame that the absence of Tanahashi, Naito, Okada or like or Suzuki or you know like Ishii and those guys hurt this uh show because realistically like I mean you still have some top level competitors I just thought that the energy was not necessarily there for all the matches. And I don't know. I mean, I guess that's understandable. They're, they're not going to be all bangers. But, you know, if you end your show with a, a five-star match, I think it's a banger. I'm just nitpicking here. And that was it for New Japan. Uh, like I said, we still have New Year's Dash taking place in a couple of hours. Uh, I will try to watch not I'm not gonna watch that live but I will try to watch it later in the day uh, but we also have a bunch of shows that happen I mean we had uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling show and DDT we had the like the mystery vortex type of show and we had the news show with BJW all those shows that uh I'm going to try and catch up. We also had Stardom. So I'm going to try and catch up with a, a bunch of those shows uh, so we can talk about them. Uh, so there may be a mini show this week, maybe, depending on, on how New Year's Dash uh, uh, gives me <laughs> time. But that is it for Japan this week. Um, obviously, there were other things we had in the last uh, weeks uh, that we could talk about, you know, we had the big AW Brody show, but um, I mean, I, I think at this point, everyone has already said it. it was a fantastic show. It was like the right thing to do. It was just beautiful. I was crying like left to right, but like, it was just like happy crying, you know, cause I was happy that the wrestlers were able to like, just do this thing. But since it is the start of the year, we are back with the Impact Traffic Report. Welcome everyone to Impact Wrestling. Impact Wrestling of January the 5th. This is the, the I guess the, the return of Impact after taking uh, some weeks off for the best of shows for the holidays. So this is also the return of the Impact Traffic Report. Uh, the show, it was, it was okay. I thought the, the show Throughout the night was really good up until the, the main event that I didn't really really like and, and we'll get into it um, The obviously we are heading into not only Genesis, but the hard to kill so We had to get into the mode of you know booking matches for such shows and You know reminding us why Kenny Omega is a big deal and so uh, the show started uh, with the usual video and it's just a recap of you know, the whole thing with Kenny Omega and Rich Swan and the, and the Good Brothers and the Mercy Machine Guns. It's all good. It eventually come into play. Um, but the actual show started with a match. And this was Crazy Steve defeating Ace Austin, the returning Ace Austin. 
Blake Christian, the debuting Blake Christian, and Casey Navarro, who has been before but has never really done anything. So, in Genesis, that is this Saturday, we are going to have a the return of the Super X Cup, which is obviously a play on the Super J Cup. Um, but I mean, Impact and TNA had always had like this X Division tournaments, uh, whether it was like the international uh cups like the world cups or it was just like the the x cup or whatever so it finally returns it's going to be a one night uh single elimination tournament the participants are going to be ace austin suicide day Bari, cousin jake christian steve trey lamar casey navarro and blake christian and so in this match we had four of the eight participants just going in a four uh like a four way it really felt just like a big showcase for blake christian who is the one that people like all over the place talk about he because he had like a really good performance in new japan and so this really just felt as a big uh showcase for him like even when like navarro like when casey navarro uh like started to gain momentum uh, Blake Christian would just come in, cut him off, and, and again take the spotlight, and and so it was just like that. It was good action. Uh, Ace Austin looks fantastic. Uh, again, Blake Christian looked great. Casey Navarro looked okay. Uh, nothing really special from him in this match, and surprisingly, Crazy Steve got the win. Um, he pinned Navarro. I I mean. I can't expect Crazy Steve is going to go far or even become like something in the exhibition. But I think they just gave him this win so he could get something uh, of momentum, anything. I mean, he's going to need it. But, uh, you know, it was it was okay. It was a good opener. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to this tournament. Like, the matches themselves don't look particularly interesting. Uh but their participants could lead to something good, especially if, if at the end we have like, I'm expecting Ace Austin to win. But like if we have like Ace Austin versus Blake Christian, it could be like a banger. So hopefully we get that. Um, we had the the weekly now commercial by Tony Khan and Tony Skibone. Um, they're obviously taking shots at impacts at impact. Um, they ran down the car for New Year's Dash. I mean Smash, which is taking place tomorrow. Uh, on AW or whoever watches that thing, and then at the end, uh, Khan Tony Khan just straight up cut a promo on Don Callis, <laughs> and like uh, he was in full promo mode, like <laughs> he's he's really funny <laughs> to to see mad. So it was it was okay, it was fun. Um, then we saw Omega Anderson Gallows and Callis in. They're like busts. They are just admiring their time, their titles because they all have championships. Um, and so that's pretty much it. Callus did tell some like, hey, you know, like hard to kill is coming and we better win. And Omega's like, dude, of course we can win. Like we are the Bullet Club. There are no other like combinations in the world that could defeat us. Uh, so, I mean, sure. <laughs> Obviously, like we're, we're not even going to mention that Omega, Anderson, and Gallus were never actually like a trio or like an or, or like something in the Bullet Club because when Kenny became the top 
of the Bullet Club, it's when Anderson and Gallows left. So they were not really like together that much. But anyway, we'll we'll see pass. Uh, next up, we had Cousin Jake and Rhino versus Cody Deaner, Joe Doring with Eric Young. And man, there's there's so much to this. So final resolution, like a month back. Cody Diener betrayed Cousin Jake and joined Eric Young and Joe Doring and into their stable. And so like throughout the throughout like pretty much December and the, the holidays and all that stuff, we saw like some like I guess videos uh from Eric Young where he's like like kind of like brainwashing Cody Diener and going like through this process. And so this match was, uh, I guess, in a way, like the debut of this new Cody Diener. Uh, he shaved his head and his beard. Like he's, he didn't shave the beard, but he trimmed it. Uh, and he just like looks completely different. Uh, and so it was like the debut of this new heelish persona. He is he's pretty much just acting like a deranged, like pissed off guy. He. He okay, so I think he looks good, but I think not having a t shirt on really exposes how thin he is, and so he looks kind of like just lanky wrestling. So, uh, I don't know, it's like those things that get can get fixed easily. Uh, but I mean, nonetheless, he had like he did per like his acting and performance was really really good, uh, and also in the same way. This was Joe Doring's like proper in-ring debut in in this uh, since he came to to Impact this time because he had like some matches a long time ago. But um, this is Joe Doring's pretty much in-ring debut now with the, with the Eric Young stable, and so it was like just seeing both men like go. Um, this was this was obviously more Cody Diener because he's like right now the focus, but. Um, it was good. I mean, I uh, there was like this underlying story where uh, cousin Jake doesn't really want to wrestle Diener. He just keeps trying to talk him into, and then Ryan was like, "No, dude, like confront him and fight him." And so like there was like feel little things here and there. Um, this felt more like an angle than a match, uh, in a way, just because like there was like so many things trying to be addressed at the same time. But at the end, uh, Cody Diener and Joe Doring won. Uh, Cody Diener low blowed cousin Jake and then got the the win. And I mean, it was expected. Uh, after the match, EY tried to pile drive cousin Jake, and who else? But Tommy Dreamer ran down for the save. And so we're not gonna have a three on three old school rules match. I hard to kill bit with um Diener. Joe Doring and Eric Young versus Rhino, Jake, and All Man Dreamer because Dreamer always has to fucking insert himself in every fucking feud uh, for fuck's sake. But anyway, backstage we saw GM Miller interview Matthew Palmer. This is that indie geek that is going to be accepting Moose's challenge, like the three minute challenge tonight. And he's pretty much just saying that he'd rather fight moose and 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 lose than go home and not even try so i mean whatever 
good. It, I mean, it's a good babyface promo. I just don't really care much about this kid. So, I mean, we'll see. Uh, next up, we had the the one and only skit about the Bravo shooting shit. It's still going, but at least it was only like one one minute skit. So I'll let it pass. It was just AC Romero asking Johnny Swinger about you know the the investigation with Larry D, and Johnny Swinger pointed the finger to the knockouts. So like they've they've had Romero go from place to place. If they keep it to one minute segments a week, I'll be perfectly okay. I won't complain. Next up, we had like a, a really, really good uh, segment with Dion Parasso and Kimberly coming down to the ring. They they pretty much talked shit about Taya Valkyrie. And so Taya Valkyrie and Rosemary came down and Taya cut like a pretty, pretty good uh, promo on Parasso. They went back and forward, but like you can tell that Taya was just like miles ahead of, of Diana Parasso when it came into like when it came to promos. Uh, these two are going to barely wrestling at Hard Kill for the knockouts title. So I think that's gonna be a really, really good match. I love seeing Taya back into serious title contendership mode, uh like beyond this like the wedding shit. It was just really nice to see this this Taya again. I was really really happy. Uh, I really enjoyed both both women's promos here. Uh, we saw Rohi Raju approach Chris Bay. Uh, they're pretty much just like continuing like they're just apologizing to each other uh, because they've crossed each other uh, many times uh, in the past. But they do come up to the agreement that lay let let's unmask manic and take the title away from him and then we can deal between just you and me you know we'll wrestle for the title but let's get manic out of this and so their plan is to go they go to tjp and say like hey tjp so i mean because we all know tjp and manic are the same people it's the same person and so they're like hey tjp so have you seen manic like no no like we, we haven't seen him like well we were thinking how about roji rohi raju and chris bay versus tjp and manic and and TJP is like, well, I mean, Manic and I, we don't really see eye, you know, eye to eye, uh, but we'll see what I can do. And so, I thought this was incredibly simple, but like just the perfect plan for this storyline to for have Rohit and and Bay to challenge TJP and Manic to attack match. And there's probably gonna be like some stupid shenanigans with someone else using the Manic match or some the, the mask, but I mean, it's it's okay. Um, we had the the knockouts tag team championship tournament semifinal, the the last one, uh, second one in a way. And surprisingly, we had Havoc and Nevea defeating Jordan Grace and Jazz. Um, I say surprisingly because I really thought that Jazz was just gonna go all the way to the finals, not necessarily win the titles, but at least go to the finals. But as we are going to see later, it all makes sense. Um, so the winner of this match, Havoc and Avera, are gonna go face Taya. I mean Taya, <laughs> um, Tasha Steeles and Kira Hogan at Hard to Kill for the the Knockouts Tag Team Titles. I at this point I'd expect Steeles and Hogan to win because they seem to be like the better tag team uh, in terms of like just presentation. Uh, the match was good actually. Uh, it was like a really power versus power match, regardless of the combination. It was just like power versus power. It was like a lot of striking, tackles, you know, big moves type of stuff. Um, uh, 
Jazz looked good in this match. It's surprising to see Jazz as the smaller wrestler in the ring, but when she was facing Havoc, she was definitely the smaller. So it was like something new that I I, I can't remember the last time I saw Jazz uh, perform as the smaller competitor. Uh, so it was like, a, a, I mean, she's about to retire and I'm barely seeing new things from her, you know? So it was really good. Uh, and at the end of the match, we saw have a kick like a choke choke slam on Jordan Grace, and so Jordan Grace like rolls out of the ring, and then she hits a pile drive on Jazz and wins the match. And so like, Jordan Grace like just like leaves. She's like pissed off, and we have Havoc and Nevaeh winning. You know. Uh, next up, we had GM Miller interview Rich Swan, Alex Shelley, and Chris Saban. They're pretty much talking about how Impact and TNA was built on type of guys like like Rich Swan and the Motor City Machine Guns. And not that Rich Swan has always been there, but like in the sense that it was those like young, hungry guys, you know, like your AJ Styles and your Christopher Daniels and your Chris Savins and your uh, Jay Lethals and Petey Williams that built Impact. And they they've always have to deal, have to dealt with you know those big company superstars who think they can come in and just like boss people around. And in this case, it was once again then having to deal with it. And and now it's Omega and the the Good Brothers. And so they pretty much say that they're gonna beat their shits. And and Alex Shelley's like, well, I mean. Why don't we just go to the bus and, and, and get in a fight? And so they head to the, the bus. And I'm guessing at this point, like, it's obvious that Omega and company are probably watching the show. Because when they head to the to the bus, like, uh, they get jumped by Omega and the Good Brothers. And they get their, like, they kick their asses. Uh, and so, yeah, that was it. Like, they mocked them and, and stood tall. And, like, you could tell it was fucking cold <laughs> when they where they taped this because like omega is red like just like his he's not wearing a t-shirt he's just like red and they're all like breathing just like oh man it, you could tell it was fucking cold <laughs> uh and next up we had the continuation of the jordan grace thing uh just to like settle things and we saw jace i mean jace <laughs> uh jazz uh she she tracks down Grace and Grace is like, hey, like, I I'm I'm super frustrated. I'm sorry I wasn't there to save you from the pile driver. Um, uh, I'm really disappointed that I brought you back from retirement or like postpone it, and only to lose, and and so Jess like, dude, like, don't worry about it. I like losing was never the plan, but we lost. It's okay. I mean that's life. And I mean, for me, it was just like a pleasure to be able to, you know, like end my career wrestling alongside with you and and, and wrestling, you know, the young talent that Impact has right now. Uh, so it was uh, just happy for Jazz to, to be there. And Grace is like, well, I mean, if you have one match left, it'd be an honor for me if we go one and one at Genesis and Jazz accepted. So uh, Genesis... Uh, Jordan Grace versus Jazz. I I don't think it's gonna be like necessarily like a good match. 
but I think it's going to be like a nice uh, heartfelt match between these two and I I wouldn't be surprised if this is Jazz's official retirement match at this point. I don't know what she has left uh, in terms of booking, but she she definitely had been talking about retiring before she came to Impact, so this is definitely like a postponement. So we may be seeing just uh, Jazz's retirement match at Genesis. So, I mean, it'll be good. Um, something completely unrelated. <laughs> we saw... Purazzo and Kimberly go to James Mitchell asking if Suyon has been finally taken care of. And James Mitchell's like, yes. Um, but it's complicated. Suyon is gone, but it's not Susie who came back. And out came like a well dressed lady, and she called herself Susan. So Suyong, Susie, and now Susan. That is the third persona. She she reminded me a lot of that time that Daphne did the Sarah uh, Palin character. She just looks kind of like that. <laughs> uh, I don't know where this is going to go. Uh, yeah, I don't know where this is going to go. <laughs> I just don't know. Uh Next up, we had the three-minute challenge by Moose to Matthew Palmer. I thought this was actually really stupid, uh, the way they did it. So, straight up, Moose dominated. He could have be like he could have pinned this Palmer kid after he he's like in ten seconds after he hit like two bookends, but he just kept like kicking him and like just punching him and provoking him and all that stuff like moose was playing around with his food here and it wasn't until the last 30 seconds he was ready to just finish it out with lights out uh that willie Ma came out and distracted palmer and so palmer quote unquote survived the match because moose was distracted i see what they did here because technically that is a win for palmer but it is incredibly stupid like can you really say that Palmer survived and won if Moose never really tried to pin him? Like, we just saw Palmer get his ass kicked. It's like he could have been pinned in 30 seconds. Uh, so I don't know. Like, to me, this is not really a win for Palmer if Moose never went for the pin. And obviously, if Moose was distracted. Like that is just like bullshit technicality. I I like Moose looked great. The beating was great, but the the conclusion was just like stupid. Um, we had oh man, this talking about stupid. We we went even further. Ethan Page is having therapy, and he's having therapy with the Karate Man. Uh, this meme persona that he created for because he wants uh, likes on Twitter. Uh, and surprisingly, he's talking about how, how his career is being derailed ever since losing the titles. And he blamed Impact on the roster, but then got into an argument with Karate Man. And he challenged him to a fight at the hard to kill because Ethan Page has learned to use a green screen that that's it um i thought 
I man, I thought the North was the second best, like just the, the best tag team in Impact, obviously, and one of the best tag teams in the world the last year. And in a matter of two weeks, pretty much, maybe three, n like the North now is a joke. Why? Because Ethan Page created this fucking meme gimmick and he wants to put it on, on Impact. Way to fucking derail your your career, dude, with a fucking meme gimmick. Like, the Karate Man sucks. It's just incredible how the best tag team of 2020 like became a joke in a matter of weeks. Uh, this is really frustrating because I love the North. They've been my favorite tag team for the last two years. Uh, I, I think... Like, Josh Alexander's amazing, and he brings the best out of Ethan Page. But, like, Ethan Page, like, always goes, like, for business for himself and just fucks everything up. Oh, man, it's so fucking annoying, dude. It's so fucking annoying. But, uh, I mean, it is what it is. Like, now we have to deal with fucking Karate Man, like, in a green screen. Um, and finally, we got into the main event, which I mentioned I wasn't a big fan of. This is Sammy Callahan versus Eddie Edwards. And so here's the reason I didn't like it. Uh, they brawled outside the ring before the match started, like for 10 minutes using weapons and everything. The referee is just like, come on, guys, get in the ring. But he's not really doing anything. And then they get in the ring. Two minutes later, the referee throws away the match because they're 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 still like brawling and not uh, following the rules. So it was just like, oh, my God, like all of that for nothing. And then uh, once we head to the end, we, we see like Eddie Edwards is about to beat the shit out of Callahan. And so Callahan uses his hacking steals, skills uh, because he's a hacker uh, and, and shows that Alicia Edwards is trapped in like some kind of cage. And so Eddie Edwards runs for like to find her. And instead gets jumps gets jumped by Ken Shamrock and again Callahan. And they just beat him up. And that was it. It's like I thought this was just like a terrible thing, start to finish. Uh like I was saying, like the only thing that can save this view right now is for like the return of the American Wolves. I don't I won't even take any other tag team for Eddie Edwards. It has to be David Richards for me to give a fuck about this feud. It has been overdone and it has already been announced that they're going to go into a barbed wire massacre at the heart of kill. <sighs> like why? Oh man. Can, can we do something different for fuck's sake? But like, yeah, like I just felt like this whole thing like was a waste of time. I would have rather given those, like 10 minutes to to the opener and or yeah like to the opener or to cody diener and joe doring to do more stuff but no we had a fucking 10 minute brawl leading to a, a two minute match before it got thrown out like oh no like that was just like it was just like bad like if you want to have a brawl then just have a brawl you know like that but this match was promoted like for two weeks and it was just like a brawl like so I thought that was pretty bad. 
but i mean that was a show like i said like i enjoy everything for the most part with the exception of uh i mean the main event and obviously you, you i mean you had like the karate man thing which it didn't last long so i can't really say it was a judgment for the show itself but it's just like a bad thing that's going to happen but yeah like it was a show that started really good and just start like slowly went downhill but as we mentioned we do have genesis this saturday um so f it's a it's a card that's really full of just the super x cup so there's really not much else um the card at this point looks uh willie mac versus moose in an i quit match we had the super x cup the opener matches are ace awesome versus suicide Dave Barry versus cousin jay crazy steve versus trey lamar and casey nabarro versus blake christian and then we have Jordan Grace versus Jazz, and what we already talked about, maybe Jazz's retirement match. So, <laughs> Genesis looks good if you think about it just because of the tournament. Aside from that, it's a completely missable show. Um, that's it. Like, there's really no stars there. But um, that is it for Impact. We do have Hard to Kill in two weeks, but we'll talk about that next week. There's no point in, in talking about it uh, this week yet. But uh, that was Impact. Um, they're back, and they're. I I wouldn't be surprised if we see um, Rich Swan and, and company in on an AW. They 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 only have two weeks left i think they need to do like they need to do something either this week or next week otherwise it's just gonna be shitty but we'll see anyway that is it for to for this week it was a long show uh just i mean wrestle kingdom was just so much to talk about and there's a, a bunch of stuff in wrestle kingdom that we didn't even talk about because we couldn't even get into speculations of what comes next. We couldn't get into speculation about Ibushi wanting to unify titles. Uh, so we'll we'll talk about New Japan later on again. Uh, like I said, if I get a chance to watch uh, either Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling or New Year's Dash, and if it's noteworthy, we'll have a mini sode. But uh, don't I, I don't want to promise anything yet. Uh, I do need to watch the shows first to, to know that they're worth a mini sode. Um, but that is it for this week. Remember to go to Spotify and iTunes to find the show. I am trying to get the show and on Amazon music. Um, I'm just trying to figure out some kinks here, but hopefully we can get that done by this week and go to Twitter to DW revolution, where you can just like follow tweets and have conversations with us. And then if I said something in the show that you're like, what the fuck were you talking about? Then you can counter me there. And if you want a bigger like um, place to counter those, you can go to DWrestlingRevolution.com where you can find all the written versions of the, the reviews that we do, especially this week. We have Wrestle Kingdom 1 and 2. And, and you can go to Figure4W online where you can read the full description recap of Impact that I do weekly uh, for them. So without further ado, that is it for this week. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends, share, like, subscribe, whatever you can. And go take a nap because we can finally rest from watching uh, Wrestle Kingdom back to back. Adios.
Well, that's about it. Son of a gun, we've enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week. I guess we'll have to wait a week before we get to it, but we'll be right back again. For Corey Macklin, Dave Brown, Lance Russell saying bye-bye, everybody.